Book One, Part One of Pharsalia, Dramatic Episodes of the Civil Wars. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Gillespie, Ashland, Kentucky. Pharsalia by Lucan. Translated by J. D. Duff. Book One. THE CROSSING OF THE RUBICON PART One. Wars worse than civil on Amathian plains, and crime let loose we sing. How Rome's high race plunged in her vitals her victorious sword. Armies akin embattled, with the force of all the shaken earth bent on the fray, and burst asunder to the common guilt a kingdom's compact eagle with eagle met standard to standard spear opposed to spear whence citizens this rage this boundless lust to sate barbarians with the blood of rome did not the shade of crassus wondering still cry for his vengeance could ye not have spoiled to deck your trophies, haughty Babylon? Why wage campaigns that send no laurels home? What lands, what oceans, might have been the prize of all the blood thus shed in civil strife? Where Titan rises, where night hides the stars, neath southern noons all quivering with heat, or where keen frost that never yields to spring in icy fetters binds the scythian main long since barbarians by the eastern sea and far araxes stream and those who know if any such there be the birth of nile had felt our yoke then rome upon thyself with all the world beneath thee if thou must wage this nefarious war but not till then. Now view the houses with half-ruined walls throughout Italian cities. Stone from stone has slipped and lies at length. Within the home no guard is found, and in the ancient streets so scarce seen the passer-by. The fields in vain, rugged with brambles and unplowed for years, ask for the hand of man, for man is not, nor savage Pyrrhus, nor the Punic horde e'er caused such havoc. To no foe was given to strike thus deep, but civil strife alone dealt the fell wound and left the death behind. Yet, if the fates could find no other way for Nero coming, nor the gods with these gain thrones in heaven. And if the thunderer prevailed not till the giant's war was done, complaint is silent. For this boon supreme be wickedness and crime, thronged with our dead, be dire Pharsalia's fields, be Punic ghosts avenged by Roman blood. Add to these ills 
the toils of Mutina, Perusa's dearth on Munda's final field. The shock of battle joined, let Lucas Cape shatter the routed navies. Servile hands unsheath the sword on fiery Etna's slopes. Still, Rome is gainer by the civil war. Thou, Caesar, art her prize. When thou shalt choose thy watch relieved to seek divine abodes, all heaven rejoicing, and shalt hold a throne, or else elect to govern Phoebus' car, and light a subject world that shall not dread to owe her brightness to a different sun, all shall concede thy right, do what thou wilt, select thy godhead, and the central clime whence thou shalt rule the world with power divine. And yet, the northern or the southern pole, we pray thee, choose not. But in rays direct, thou safe thy radiance to thy city Rome. Press thou on either side, the universe should lose its equipoise. Take thou the midst, and weight the scales, and let that part of heaven where Caesar sits be evermore serene and smile upon us with unclouded blue. Then may all men lay down their arms, and peace through all the nations reign, and shut the gates that close the temple of the god of war. Be thou my help, to me even now divine. Let Delphi's steep her own Apollo guard, and Nysa keep her Bacchus uninvoked. Rome is my subject, and my muse art thou. First of such deeds, I propose to unfold the causes, task immense, what drove to arms a maddened nation, and from all the world struck peace away. By envious fate's decrees, abide not long the mightiest lords of earth. Beneath too heavy a burden great the fall, thus Rome o'ergrew her strength. So when that hour, the last in all the centuries, shall sound the world's disruption, all things shall revert to that primeval chaos, stars on stars shall crash, and fiery meteors from the sky plunge in the ocean. Earth shall then no more front with her bulwark the encroaching sea. The moon, indignant at her path oblique, shall drive her chariot against her brother's son, and claim the day for hers, and discord huge, shall rend the spheres asunder. On themselves great powers are dashed. Such bounds the gods have placed upon the prosperous. Nor doth fortune lend to any nations, so that they may strike the sovereign power that rules the earth and sea, the weapons of her envy. Triple reign and baleful compact for divided power, ne'er without peril, separate before, made Rome their victim. O oh, ambition blind, that stirred the leaders so to join their strength in peace that ended ill, 
their prize the world. For a while the sea on earth and earth on air lean for support, while Titan runs his course and night with day divides an equal sphere, no king shall brook his fellow, nor shall power endure a rival. Search no foreign lands. These walls are proof that in their infant days a hamlet, not the world, was prize enough to cause the shedding of a brother's blood. Concord, on discord based, brief time endured, unwelcome to the rivals, and alone Crassus delayed the advent of the war. Like to the slender neck that separates the seas of Grecia, should it be engulfed, then would the Ionian and Aegean mains break each on other. Thus, when Crassus fell, who held apart the chiefs in piteous death, and stained the serious plains with Latin blood, defeat in Parthia loosed the war in Rome. More in that victory than ye thought was won, ye sons of Arsaces, your conquered foes took at your hands the rage of civil strife. The mighty realm that earth and sea contained, to which all peoples bowed, split by the sword, could not find space for two. For Julia bore, cut off by fate unpitying, the bond of that ill-omened marriage and the pledge of blood united to the shades below. Hadst thou but longer stayed, it had been thine to keep the husband and the sire apart. And, as the Sabine women did of old, dash down the threatening swords and join the hands. With thee all trust was buried, and the chiefs could give their courage vent and rushed to war. Lest newer glories, triumphs past obscure, Late conquered Gaul, the bays from pirates won. This, Magnus, was thy fear, thy role of fame. Of glorious deeds accomplished for the state allows no equal. Nor will Caesar's pride a prior rival in his triumphs brook, which had the right twere impious to inquire. Each for his cause can vouch a judge supreme. The victor, heaven, the vanquished, Cato, thee. Nor were they like to like, the one in years now verging towards decay, in times of peace had unlearned war, but thirsting for applause, had given the people much, and proud of fame, his former glory cared not to renew, but joyed in plaudits of the theatre his gift to Rome, his triumphs in the past, himself the shadow of a mighty name. As when some oak in fruitful fields sublime, adorned with venerable spoils and gifts of bygone leaders, by its weight to earth with feeble roots still clings, its naked arms and hollow trunk, though leafless, give a shade. And though condemned beneath the tempest's shock to speedy fall, 
amid the sturdier trees in sacred grandeur, rules the forest still. No such repute had Caesar won, nor fame, but energy was his that could not rest. The only shame he knew was not to win, keen and unvanquished, where revenge or hope might call, resistless would he strike the blow with sword unpitying, every victory won reaped to the full. The favor of the gods pressed to the utmost. All that stayed his course, aimed at the summit of power, was thrust aside. Triumph is joy, though ruin marked his track. As parts the clouds a bolt by winds compelled, with crack of riven air and crash of worlds, and veils the light of day, and on mankind, blasting their vision with its flames oblique, sheds deadly fright. Then, turning to its home, naught but the air opposing, through its path spreads havoc, and collects its scattered fires. Such were the hidden motives of the chiefs. But in the public life, the seeds of war their hold had taken, such as are the doom of potent nations. And when fortune poured through Roman gates the booty of a world, the curse of luxury, chief bane of states, fell on her sons. Farewell, the ancient ways. Behold the pomp profuse. The house is decked with ornament. Their hunger loathed the food of former days. Men wore attire for dames. Scarce fitly fashioned, poverty was scorned, fruitful of warriors, and from all the world came that which ruins nations. While the fields, furrowed of yore by great Camillus' plough, or by the mattock which a curious held, lost their once narrow bounds, and widening tracks by hinds unknown were tilled. No nation this to sheathe the sword with tranquil peace content and with her liberties, but prone to ire, crime holding light as though by want compelled. And great the glory in the minds of men, ambition lawful even at point of sword to rise above their country, might their law. Decrees are forced from Senate and from plebes. Consul and tribune break the laws alike. Bought are the facies, and the people sell for gain their favor. Bribery's fatal curse corrupts the annual contests of the field. Then covetous usury rose, and interest was greedier ever as the seasons came. Faith tottered, thousands saw their gain in war. Caesar has crossed the Alps, his mighty soul great tumults pondering and the coming shock. Now on the marge of Rubicon he saw, in face most sorrowful and ghostly guise, his trembling country's image.
huge, it seemed, through the midst of night obscure, and hoary hair streamed from the lofty front with turrets crowned. Torn were her locks, and naked were her arms. Then thus, with broken sighs, the vision spake. What seek ye, men of Rome? And whither hence bear ye my standards? If by right ye come, my citizens, stay here. These are the bounds, no further dare. But Caesar's hair was stiff with horror as he gazed, and ghastly dread restrained his footsteps on the further bank. Then spake he, Thunder, who from the rock Tarpeian seest the wall of mighty Rome, gods of my race who watched o'er Troy of old, thou Jove of Albus height and vestal fires, and rites of Romulus erst wrapped to heaven, and godlike Rome, be friendly to my quest. Not with offense or hostile arms I come. Thy Caesar, conqueror by land and sea, thy soldier here and wheresoever thou wilt, no others. His, his only be the guilt, whose acts make me thy foe. He gives the word and bids his standards cross the swollen stream. So in the wastes of Africa's burning clime, the lion crouches as his foes draw near, feeding his wrath the while, his lashing tail provokes his fury, stiff upon his neck bristles his mane, deep from his gaping jaws resounds a muttered growl, and should a lance or javelin reach him from the hunter's ring, scorning the puny scratch he bounds afield. From modest fountain, blood-red Rubicon, in summer's heat flows on. His pygmy tide creeps through the valleys, and with slender marge, divides the Italian peasant from the Gaul. Then winter gave him strength, and fraught with rain, the third day's crescent moon, while eastern winds thawed from the alpine slopes the yielding snow. The cavalry first form across the stream to break the torrent's force. The rest with ease beneath their shelter gain the further bank. When Caesar crossed and trod beneath his feet the soil of Italy's forbidden fields, here spake he, peace, here broken laws be left. Farewell to treaties. Fortune, lead me on. War is our judge, and in the fates our trust. Then in the shades of night he leads the troops, swifter than Balearic sling or shaft winged by retreating Parthian to the walls of threatened Rimini while fled the stars, save Lucifer, before the coming sun, whose fires were veiled in clouds by south wind driven, or else at heaven's command, and thus drew on the first dark morning of the Civil War. End of Book One, 
Part 1